the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. And welcome to another edition of the Worldview Media Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Runyon, famous for a face made for radio and a voice made for pantomime. <laughs> and with me in the studio is a woman who was definitely not raised as a spoiled brat, my wife, Joyce. Ah, uh, some might disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if you would fess up to that. <laughs> Your mom tried to spoil you, I think. My siblings might say she succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're doing something a little bit different today. We're talking about the chocolate factory owned by Willy Wonka. Mm -hmm. And what we did is we watched both versions of this show. We watched the original with Gene Wilder called mm -hmm. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yep. And then we watched the more modern remake by Tim Burton called Charlie, Charlie. and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Now, they both follow the same book, the same novel. Yeah. However loosely. <laughs> I didn't read the book, so I don't know how loose. Yeah, it was. well, neither do I. I'm saying there was enough different between them that one or the other of them was obviously not following it too closely. Yeah. And we were curious to see if the decades in between the making of those movies would show up in a worldview way. As the culture has changed, would those. Would it be evident? Yeah, would it be evident there? Yeah. And I think what happened is we found that probably there was less of a change than there might have been if if what the second movie was doing was simply remaking the first. But if they were interpreting the same book in their own way, then that's going to kind of make the differences a little bit smaller. That was my take on it. Mm. Anyway, so talk about your overall impressions mm. and which of the two versions did you like the best? Well, they're both kind of cheesy. <laughs> you know, you got to say that, that up front. And for me, I think the more modern version was a little bit more cheesy to me. <laughs> I think it tried to be humorous in spots and it just, it, it missed it. I think it just missed it. It wasn't just me thinking, oh, that's not funny. I mean, it was just like, that didn't work. I know what right. you're trying to do here, but that just didn't work. And for me, I really liked the original better. Um, I didn't think I would, but uh, it is a musical, so there's a lot of music that goes on it. There's a lot of different characters that sing. You don't really have that in the second movie. It's mostly just the Oompa Loompas that are singing and... Um, and I think that there was more of a clear moral in the first movie. Because I think with all the songs that they did about the kids when they got into trouble and 
bad stuff happened, they were addressing specific issues that I think um, was just current to to that time, issues you had with raising kids and being spoiled or, you know, being gluttonous and eating everything and, you know, chewing gum like a cow. And, you know, there was just, um, I thought it was clever. I really did see it as a more clever movie than the second one. I think I kind of agreed with you. I feel like in the first movie, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka was just eccentric. And in the one with Johnny Depp, they took eccentric to a kind of outlandish level. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of with you. Maybe what they were trying to do was make it more comedic, but it it just wound up being kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then it brings out a whole other thing that wasn't in the first one with, you know, the, the family of um, Willie. And, you know, it seems just kind of weird, too. You know, his dad's a dentist and he can't have candy and... So that's really what he wants. He wants the candy, and so he must leave. And so it it was just kind of weird. (laughs) Right. The dad saying, well, if you leave, I won't be here when you get back. And, you know, he comes back, and the house is literally gone. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going, okay. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So it was just, it was a little too, too much for me. Yeah, I think... I'm not sure it was a great move to have Tim Burton be the director of the of the remake simply because everything he does kind of looks the same. He's got his own flavor and feel, and it winds up being very unrealistic looking where, you know, the walls of the house are at a weird angle and, mm, yeah. and everything just looks off kilter. And, yeah. and I'm not sure that's what we could have gone for there. There was enough weirdness apparently in the book that I think they could have just gone with that and been all right. Like the first movie did yeah. with all four grandparents sleeping in one bed. And yeah. It, yeah. There's definitely some different things about the story, but, uh, yeah, I hadn't realized that about stylistically, but you're right that he does tend to have his own, uh, perspective that he puts over, his settings and his scenery, but I don't think I really saw that in the chocolate factory. Oh. I mean, I and it was just that one house. I think everything else was pretty much normal. It looked like just any type of suburban area. So, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe so. The place where I saw a little bit of a difference, and and you probably can't help it, but the new movie obviously relied more on special effects than the than the old one did, mm-hmm. and. I I guess the thing that surprised me, there's a scene in both movies where they go from the main entrance of the factory on the tour and they board a boat and then they have a weird wild ride to the next <laughs> place that they're going to go yeah. in both the movies. And I was kind of surprised at how dark and foreboding the ride was in the first movie. Yeah, there were some images there, was, in there that right. I was like, what? <laughs> right, it looked like there was, like, for, for no reason, it looked like during the first ride, there's a clip of, like, a chicken getting its head cut off. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you go, what? 
<laughs> right, and and no real explanation for what that was for. It was just supposed, to, obviously, just supposed to be weird and unsettling. Frightening, and, yes. Uh, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> and I was kind of surprised how dark that that particular bit of it was. And the other thing that I noticed, and I'm not sure why they did it, is they eliminated the whole. The new movie eliminated the whole concept of Willy Wonka sending a guy to pose as a rival mm-hmm. who's going to pay the children to cheat and stuff like that. Yeah. And they just got rid of that completely. And the whole the whole plot involving the everlasting gobstoppers and mm-hmm. stuff was done away. And I'm not sure. Maybe they got rid of that so they'd have time to do the... Family backstory or something. Well, and I thought that the first movie, it was was compelling with all the kids because they went in flawed. And even um, Charlie, who was supposed to be probably the best kid there, you know, even he went in and made a mistake. And... That didn't happen in the second movie. Right. You know, there was, he wasn't at fault in anything. He just, you know, finally he was the last kid standing and so you win. And so I think that was, to me that was a little disappointing because I think it meant something for him to have made the mistake and then said, you know, I'm sorry. I did, I did do some stuff that was wrong and I shouldn't have done and I'm sorry. Right. And so that was, I, I missed that piece of it. Yeah, and the things seemed to change from in the first, the first Charlie, uh, or the first Willy Wonka, I should say, was looking for a kid who had been raised right by his parents. Mm-hmm. And the second Willy Wonka seemed to be shocked that any such thing could happen, that a parent could raise a kid right. And, uh, and that was a little bit different. No, he gets set straight at the end, and and you know he comes to some kind of resolution with his own dad, who treated him harshly and all that. But uh, that was a little bit of a change at first. Uh, at first, Willy Wonka knew he was looking for a kid who had good enough parents to not raise a brat. Mm-hmm. And in the second one, like I say, he he sounds sounded kind of shocked at the end that, wow. You were raised right by parents? How could this be? Well, and I think, too, that, um, you know, family wasn't anything that was important to the second Willie. And saw it more as a a burden than, you know, something to be, yeah, yeah. something that was good and could be wholesome and benefit a child. (laughs) So there were definitely some differences between the two movies. Well, I think we both wind up in the same place then. I think I'd trade the slicker special effects for the directorial sensibilities of the first movie, where they kind of played it more straight, and and the only weirdness was really kind of in Gene Wilder's eyes sometimes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think Tim Burton maybe went a little bit, uh, you know, into his own space with some of that. Maybe leaned a little bit too much on set decoration and and costuming and stuff. 
I was disappointed the Oompa Loompas didn't still have orange faces in the. Well, and I think it was really just the same guy that they superimposed right. over there's, everything. There's so, one guy. Yeah. Yeah. So there were some things that were um, maybe just trying to be clever. I don't know, but it just it missed the mark, and I think I think that was the overwhelming response to the, by the public when it was released that uh, this isn't quite what we were hoping for. <laughs> right. You know, because Johnny Depp really is, I think he's a talented actor, and I think sometimes um, they give him a little bit too much leeway, or they, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I usually like Johnny Depp. I think he's he does some really good characters. Yeah, he seems to choose, a lot of the time he chooses characters that are a bit left of center in terms mm -hmm. of just... They're off kilter, you know, like Tim Burton's angles on the house. Yeah. Even his most famous character, Captain Jack in Pirates, you know, he's a weird guy, you know. Unusual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that, I guess that's about all we have to say about uh, how we felt in an overall sort of sense. Did you like one of the Charlies better? Or? You know, just... Overall, I have to go with the first movie for, you know, for everything because you, Charlie's lacking. I mean, it's nice that he says, no, I'm going to stay with my family. Right. And you look at where he lives and that's what he's choosing. <laughs> but uh, I just think the other one is more genuine. The first one right. is more genuine. Yeah. It's more right. honest looking at, at how people are. It's not just kids that are like that. People are like that. You know, it's... Uh, it's adults that raise these kids that look like themselves. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'd be the same way. I think the first Charlie, they did a better job in subtle ways of showing you that he could have been selfish and could have been greedy for things that he didn't have and instead was generous. All right, well, let's stop and take our break, and we'll get back and speak more specifically about Worldview. Back in a bit. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom. And we're back. We were gone so long. <laughs> Okay, here's the point where we're going to kind of compare and contrast in terms of the five-point covenant model. And since, like I say, the two movies were both basing their plots on the same book, a lot of these points are the same. So we might just talk about things that we saw that were different. 
or that'll be what we kind of try to highlight. But the first point of the biblical covenant is transcendence. And I'm not sure we see a whole lot transcendence-wise, except that I think I think transcendence does get represented, and that's part of the that's part of the covenant. That's actually part two. So if we can kind of skip over part one and talk about how is transcendence represented, I kind of feel like. It's it's interesting that I don't feel like either movie that Willy Wonka is the representative of the transcendent power, whatever that is, but I do think that he's the foil and the catalyst that causes the representative to shine. Or he's the he's the dividing uh line, so to speak, that You'll fall on one side of Willy Wonka and you're obviously not representing the transcendence. Fall on the other side and you are. And so I think in both instances it winds up being that the bratty kids and their parents uh, fall on the wrong side. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Charlie and his grandpa fall on the other. And what I mean is I think that because of the tests that they get put in by Willy Wonka, they kind of wind up standing out and showing their virtue in relation to the other the other brats that are there. So, I don't think... I guess... <laughs> it's tough because I don't think that Willy Wonka is the transcendent power, but he's close because he does seem to have kind of magical abilities to be sovereign over everything that happens in in his place mm -hmm. and in fact in the in the more recent movie they kind of make a few remarks about the fact that how could these songs already be written about the fates of these children yeah. before they came in and so there's obviously something weird going on there but they don't explore that very much I guess I would say that Willy Wonka, if he does represent transcendence, he does it in kind of the same way that Mr. Rourke did in Fantasy Island. You know, there's a lesson to be taught, mm -hmm. and he's the he's the conduit by yeah. which that lesson will be taught. Yeah, I guess I could agree with that. Even if he... I almost got the sense in the second one, maybe he didn't even know what the lesson was at times. But he was still the one that was going to teach it so that's kind of weird so something beyond charlie and and something beyond willy wonka i think is obvious obviously there but uh that's kind of tough who's the real representative mm -hmm. i think it winds up being charlie because he's standing out and showing the virtue of things like generosity and in the second movie then uh love and, mm -hmm. and family loyalty and stuff like that what do you think? Uh, I probably agree with you for the most part. Uh, in the first movie, though, Charlie was a brat. He just wasn't caught. Him and his grandpa. <laughs> well, they did one bratty thing. Well, yeah, everybody else right. did one bratty thing, too, and it eliminated <laughs> them from the uh, from the running. So, so that, you know, 
Charlie wasn't, he didn't go through it and come out flawless. You know, he had his faults and he fell and he just, um, they thought they got away with it. Yeah. Quite honestly, <laughs> you know, cause they got to the end and they said, okay, where's our prize? Yeah. And uh, that's when he says, no, you don't get a prize because of this. And, you know, nobody was in there. Right. It was just the two of them. And so um, I can kind of see what you're saying about uh, Willie being the the conduit. But in a sense, he he's the one that knows these things, you oh, know. Okay. So. He almost is transcendent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. But I think he's kind of an icon, though. He stands for something else, is I guess what I'm trying to say. I don't think he's... I mean, I don't think the movie's making him out to be a god, especially the first movie mm -hmm. wasn't. But he does stand for something, Yeah, it, it seems well, to me. Well, and I think you see that with the way the kids... With the little songs that are done after each of the kids have their issue and their problem where they fail, so... So there's there's some moral things going on there because it talks about, you know, eating too much and being pretty much like a pig or, you know, not having good manners and thinking about the people that are around you or, uh, you know, just wanting everything that you, you see and uh, yeah. being covetous. I need to have this because I see this and I don't have it. Right. And so I must have it now. And... Uh, that that all of these things they're still very relevant to our society because that's what people yeah. do and that's who people are and you know that's just the way it is without without Christ in your life you're going to fall and you're going to fail and these things are going to suck you in and you're going to be at, with the garbage <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be a bad egg you know right well that kind of gets us into talking about ethics and what were the moral dilemmas that were faced. And and the movie really felt like an extended parable, really, because mm -hmm. you have the, this first man did this and it turned mm -hmm. out bad. And the, the second one did yeah. this and it turned out bad. And and finally, Charlie did this and it, and it turned out better. And, and he got the prize. So it felt like an extended parable. And the, and the kids, like you say, there was one that was a glutton. Mm -hmm. And he gets in trouble for his gluttony. And he winds up, he's probably going to be melted with the fudge. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and in Charlie, in Willy Wonka's world, uh, to be melted in the fudge or with the fudge, that's kind of a, a hellish sort of... Uh, metaphor sound there good, yeah and then there was the the greedy girl who wanted everything that she wanted and she winds up going down in the garbage chute and mm -hmm. what happens to the garbage well it gets incinerated and yeah <laughs> you know that doesn't sound good and then the, then there was the girl it was kind of funny they they chose to change the uh, bratty habit of the one girl in the first movie, her bratty habit was just that she was chewing gum like a cow mm -hmm. <laughs> constantly. And then in the second movie, I guess they figured that wasn't enough. And so on, in addition to chewing cow, chewing, <laughs> chewing cows like gum, <laughs> in addition 
chewing cows <laughs> like gum? <laughs> Maybe chewing gum like cows? Yeah, so in addition <laughs> to that, they decided to make her, like, really assertive, and she's a winner, and she's going to get every trophy and win every contest. Yeah. And then you have the the bratty girl who was whose father was the rich guy and, and she demanded that he buy her everything that she wanted. And, mm-hmm. and then you have the other kid who was really into television and in the, in the newer movies really into video games and computer tech and stuff. And I, what I thought was, so those are all ethical dilemmas. Will these kids get out of that, or will their will their brattiness wind up destroying them? And I thought it was interesting that that, like I say, they they had to add to the chewing gum girl to make her seem even more bratty. But in the first movie, they made the point that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think in the song they said something like, chewing gum once in a while, that's fine, but when you're chewing gum all day long like a cow, that's just impolite. And, yeah. and I note that our culture doesn't put as much stock these days in politeness and manners. Mm-hmm. And I remember I ran into a book a long time ago that was... You know, it kind of had the cardboard, the cloth-covered cardboard uh, cover, hard cover, but it was, you know, the old kind of book that was, the hard cover was cloth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and anyway, it was a book about manners. Mm-hmm. And throughout it, I didn't, it didn't mention this, it didn't advertise this, but as I was reading through it, just for curiosity's sake, it uh, it was it was putting manners in the category of Christian love toward your neighbor, and it was making the point that having good manners and being polite is like the first lowest step on the ladder toward loving your neighbor. If you can't be polite toward people, how are yeah. you going to convince me that you're? Yeah. loving them and uh and that's interesting but it, i think it's really very valid they're really very yeah, valid. sure and yeah. so you train your children to be polite you're training them in the first baby steps toward loving your neighbor and and so i noted then that well it's not just being polite i think it's also an issue of respect having consideration and understanding yeah. your place in society yeah you know that there are things and people who are above me that children I need are to, supposed to act a yeah, certain way that I need to, to regard yeah. and um, yeah right yeah the other thing that was interesting is that although it wasn't stated anywhere kind of a common failing among the brats was a disrespect for their parents yeah and that was as far as I saw that was never highlighted uh, it was almost treated like well the parents trained them to be this way and and i'm sure they did but it's still wrong it's still evil yeah yeah and so the big moral dilemma that charlie faced 
was just the same as what the other kids did. You've got this gigantic, unimaginable prize in front of you, and will you, will you allow your own lusts and appetites to destroy you, or will you act, will you use some self-restraint and even generosity in order to finally attain that prize? And, and like you mentioned, Charlie and his, his granddad do mess up in the first movie, but they kind of wind up apologizing for that, right? At the, yeah. Uh, at the end. And, uh, and the others did what they did with a great deal of defiance. Yeah, you know, went down with the ship. They sinned with a high hand, yeah. as the King James would have said it. So I, I thought that was interesting. And then there was, an, in the newer movie, it was an additional moral dilemma for Charlie because he was offered the company like in the first movie, mm -hmm. but he's not. he can't see his parents again or he can't see his family ever yeah. again. And that was an additional moral dilemma. And what what's he gonna do? And of course, he chooses his family and to forego the giant treasure and mm -hmm. all that. Uh, and so that was interesting. And obviously, you know, the writer, the makers of the movie, considered that the noble choice. And mm -hmm. so that was good. Well, and then with that, when uh, Charlie said no, I can't go with you, and then uh, Willie's in talking to. The Oompa guy and saying, you know, well, I just don't understand what's going on. You know, my candy's terrible and my candy's never been terrible. And and it's because I feel bad. So because I feel bad, I'm making bad candy. And so <laughs> I just thought, oh, that's interesting, you know, that we're going to let our feelings sway us and and change our recipes, you know? <laughs> I'm thinking, well, don't you have a recipe for all these candies you're making that they shouldn't quality control? <laughs> you know, you're feeling bad. That's probably sad, but things go on and continue. So I didn't know. I thought that was just an interesting statement for them to make in the movie. Yeah, I felt that, like there was a little bit more magical involvement in the second movie than in the first there were times when weird things happened in the first movie, of course, like all the the fates of all the mm -hmm. bad children. But uh, I felt like there was a little bit more magic like that involved in the second movie. And, and so the candy Willy Wonka makes is more a reflection of what's going on inside him than, you know, real candy recipes or anything like that. Well, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but really, one of the central things in the movie is kind of point four of the covenant sanctions and and asking does everybody get what they what their actions deserve in the in the confines of the way that the movie world is set up. And I think that's kind of the whole point is to show these brats kind of getting what they mm -hmm. deserve. And, and their parents too, really. And yeah. I think the second movie even makes the point that the fault of the brat is the parent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Can that be possible? Who takes credit? <laughs> who should get credit for the bratty kid? It's the parent. Yeah. And, and then, of course, the brats do get what they deserve. Charlie winds up getting what he deserves. And, you know. Well, it, yes and no. He gets more than he deserves. He gets more than he deserves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Especially in the first movie. 
sure, gets a giant prize he would have never imagined. And well, because he messed up, so right. What he should have got was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right, there was more grace involved in the second movie. Where the first, the first movie. right, the older, <laughs> the older movie, right. That's true. There was more grace involved in that. And let's see. So the fifth point of the biblical covenant is succession, and how is this arrangement going to continue? And I think in both movies we're led to believe that Willy Wonka is passing on the mm -hmm. whole magical world to Charlie, mm -hmm. who clearly has many decades in which to be the captain of this new world and, and do what he wants with it and bring his family in. And this is where mm -hmm. his family's fortunes are going to vastly improve. And Yeah. And, and so there was that, at least, that it looks like the way the movie ends up, it looks like happily ever after, you know. Yeah. Well, and there's a big difference uh, for the, between the two with the kids that got into the trouble because we never see them revisited in the first movie. Right. You know, they're just, they're gone. <laughs> and in the second movie, you know, you see them come out and they're walking out. Right. They're, and hopefully they have changed, but it's questionable. <laughs> right. It's questionable. I'm not sure they have. <laughs> yeah. if, this, if these bad experiences has taught them anything. So, <laughs> yeah. but you see them, you know, yeah, the right. one girl's still blue. But very flexible. <laughs> she has no more bones, right? And the the kid that was shrunk has been yeah. stretched like taffy. And he's thin and tall, and yeah. And then the one covered in trash, and the other one covered in chocolate. And yeah. don't eat yourself, but I taste so good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So really, I think this was the first time that I've ever seen the Gene Wilder. Really? Movie. Yeah, that was my first viewing of it. Wow. And I was I was kind of surprised. Yeah. I you know, I know Gene Wilder and what kind of actor Crazy, he yeah. is. <laughs> and I guess the thing that surprised me is uh, I mentioned it before, I was a little bit surprised at how dark it was at times. You know, with the chicken getting his head cut off and and other things like that in that montage sequence, mm -hmm. there were some dark images going in there and uh, I but I thought in terms of pure acting and who did the best job as Willy Wonka, I'd give it to Gene Wilder hands down. Especially the couple of times when the bad kid runs off to do what he shouldn't do, and mm -hmm. and Gene Wilder's kind of sitting there saying, "Wait, don't come back," you know, <laughs> <laughs> rolling his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. So I guess overall, I'd give the first movie a slightly higher grade than the second one, and and really, it's even the the first one is not a bad movie in terms of overall message and mm. and what kind of moral, ethical, judicial lessons are taught. Yeah, it's really a pretty decent worldview sort of movie. Yeah, it really isn't too bad. Plus, it's got some nice songs. I don't I don't think right. I like the songs and familiar. You'll say. Oh, that's oh, is that nice, where that yeah. comes from? <laughs> right. And in the second movie, the songs were just kind of a little too techno. <laughs> I mean, they were just weird. They didn't have the same type of message as the first one. Hard to understand the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, the Oompa Loompa songs. I thought the fact that 
you miss those in the second movie. That's that's kind of rough. Yeah. Because they well, were just funny in the first movie. They were, and then right. they, they not only did they sing them, but they would have the words come up on the screen too, so that you <laughs> would catch what they were saying. And so, right, it it was really very good. Right. Okay. Well, do you have anything else to add about this movie? Anything to get off your chest? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the first movie. The yeah. Wilder movie better than the yeah, death movie. Right. Me too. We're agreed. That's why our marriage has lasted. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we finally saw them then. <laughs> right. It's all over now. I'm sorry. Oh, dear. All right. <laughs> well, very good. So, uh, We've decided we've got the golden tickets for marriage and life here, so we're <laughs> we're all set. We're gonna leave, uh, leaving on the note that uh, what we watch and how we entertain ourselves is important. It's all part of God's kingdom, and Christ is in charge. And we really need to learn not just with movies, but with everything we do, how to apply the biblical covenant as a lens to uh, evaluate all these things. So we hope this has been helpful as we go through these movies and just kind of ask worldview covenant questions and hopefully uh, it will give you some guide or help as you seek to do the same in your life. So praise God, we're done. It's another week. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Are you glad to be done? I'm always glad. 100%. 100%. <laughs> but then the thing is, it's... It, it's like laundry. It just, it just keeps coming. Parts over. <laughs> There's another one. <laughs> right. All right. Next week, y'all. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. <laughs>